Hi, everybody. Here's another episode of Be Heard, Women Empowering Women. And today we are blessed to have the lovely Lisa Tickle, who has a lot of experience in childhood trauma. In fact, um, she had facilitated a child abuse healing workshop for a long time, I think eight years, right, Lisa? Correct. All right. So Lisa, why don't you give us a little bit of your background? Okay, sure. So um, yes, I'm a childhood abuse healing survivor. I call myself a healing survivor. I'm still healing. Um, And my my abuse goes back as far as I can remember. It was a a part of me. Um, The abuse was mostly physical, emotional, and verbal abuse. Mm -hmm. And um, it was done and there was also a neglect. So there was also um, from my um, brother and my parents. Mm-hmm. And um, I lost my mom to cancer when I was 16. So there was a lot of unresolved stuff there. Um, and I, I took my childhood abuse into my adult life. And I really, I can remember back as far as like being 19 years old and feeling like something wasn't right. I didn't feel like there was something wrong with me, which was good. I just felt like there was something not right. I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. And so I started my healing journey really back when I was 19, there wasn't a lot of stuff out there to help us. Right. And I didn't have any adults helping me. I had, I I was doing this completely on my own, me and God. You you didn't grow up in a supportive home to begin with, you know, and and, uh, that's part of it because your core beliefs are whatever your parents kind of taught you or showed you gave you examples of and do you think then around 19 or whatever that um you started to tend to go towards abusive relationships with men so interesting you asked that that was perfect timing because at that time i met my well i got together with my first husband i knew him we were friends for a few years and and we were both really hot messes coming together and we were together actually for 30 years, married 25. And when I look back on it, um, it it was abusive. There was neglect there for sure. I felt I, you know, like I said, we both had a lot of problems, but I grew, I, and I outgrew him. And so I felt like for many years, I was actually had another kid instead of a husband. Right. Right. And Um, I think too, that, um, I've had two, uh, damaged ex-husbands. And I think that we get attracted to that stuff because it's familiar, it, you know, yes. we don't, and it's subconscious, but it is, it's familiar. So when you mentioned the word neglect in that relationship, I thought reflective of what you grew up in. Correct. And so how much you are explaining to us, I think, how much childhood trauma affects you as an adult. Correct. And I, I had uh, on a podcast, I had a really great question asked and they, and the question was, if left unhealed, would you go into domestic violence? Possibly. Yeah. You're going to go into an abusive relationship. It might just look different. Mm-hmm. And, and what I realized, and so much of my realization has come over the last year. And a lot of it is because I found out a lot about my mom and I put the whole timeline together really for me. Yeah. And I, you know, I can see, I can see why I en- ended up in that relationship and in that family. Cause I just basically married my family. Exactly. Well, they I say you marry family. your father. So oh, they say nice. that. And uh, I did in, in their personalities or their defects or whatever. And um, one of my daughters, when she brought home her prospective husband, 
I looked at him and I actually saw her biological father and her stepfather. I thought, oh no. <laughs> and unfortunately I was right. That was not a, a good outcome. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, and it's interesting because I, I didn't have any guidance on relationships or anything. And mm. my father didn't like my husband then he didn't like my boyfriend and I, you know, but I didn't get the guidance of honey, you know what? He's not good for you. Instead I got criticized. So what did I do? I clung on to him even more, you know? Yes. And yes. again, we were both, you know, we were both had a lot of problems and came into yeah. it, into yeah. the marriage. Um, and so that marriage finally dissolved. Uh, my second marriage, I literally ran right into another man's arms and I look back and he ended up being very much a narcissist. It was, it was really, I, I didn't see that one coming at all. No. I did not see that one coming at all. But what I realized too, the one thing that I carried from my childhood is I didn't feel loved. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. how can you feel loved when you're being abused? So I was on a mission. I was going to find love. And with yeah. my first husband, it was nobody else is going to love me. This is the only man on the face of the earth that's going to love me. Finally, I found somebody that loves me. And so that's exactly. what I did. Yeah. And then when they when the defects start showing up, because a lot of times, you know, when you're just dating, they're so wonderful. And there's, yeah. you know, of course they're trying, they're wooing you, as they say. But then when you get married and the red flags start popping up, the mm -hmm. defects, the abuse, emotional, whatever. I don't know about you, but in my mind, I was like, well, I could change him. Oh, yeah. He's got so much potential, right? Oh, he's got so much potential, right? Yeah. And I have to teach him how to, how to, but I, I did not know that because I was, now I was in a victim mode, which right. I didn't know at the time. Yes. I was in victim mode, attracting, like you said, narcissistic, mm -hmm. controlling, I call it toxic masculinity. There's a lot of that, which starts out as oh, I, I need you to buy me all the time and I love you, it turns into such control that they're telling you how to dress, who to talk to, you know. And when you rebel against that, then sometimes the physical abuse starts. Right, yeah. right, but right. Um, let me ask you this. I know you talked, I think you said in one thing I read that you're a mindset coach. Did you use that term, mindset? Uh, you know, I... I held on to that for a short time because I am a firm believer that so much, so much can be changed just by your mindset and, yeah. and it can, you can be stuck in something like you just mentioned about the victim mindset. Mm -hmm. I 100% had that 100%. And, it, and when I think back, it's so funny because I, I can think back and remember some of the mindsets that I had. And one of them ha was uh, that, look, I was abused as a child. And everybody was mean to me. So everybody in the world now, they need to be nice to me. Don't you be mean to me because I was abused. So I totally had the victim mindset. And I was not owning my own stuff. I was not attracting people that are going to do exactly what you don't want done. Right, right. And I yes. was mistreating people. I was not behaving properly. I mean, my husband and I, and I had a conversation with my son just a couple of weeks ago when I was up visiting him. And I, I told him, I said, honey, you were raised in a home where there was strife and there was screaming. And we did. My husband and I screamed at each other. And and I didn't grow up in the screaming, but I grew up in the constant tension. Yeah. So the mindset to me, I have changed my mindset. 
And so for a while I was calling myself mindset coach and I, I stopped because it just seems like it seems to be a buzzword kind of, and it's, yeah. I want it to be taken serious because your mindset yeah. is very important to your healing and your growing. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me with, um, what I went through and I wrote the book, um, raised by wolves, trapped by demons, raised by, <laughs> I don't you love that title. Um, yeah. But it's so true because raised by wolves was my parents and the trapped by demons was in the men. And, you know, my, my brother, Joe, always used to say that I'd say something about our family and he'd say, Marie, we were raised by wolves and I never knew what he meant, you know? And then as I got older and as I healed, because I had coping strategies that were unhealthy for the first half of my life. Oh, yeah. And addictions, whatever. Um, I think the key to my healing, and it took more than once, was being in a very dark place. Now, I was in a very dark place. I made a major change. But then I didn't change myself. I changed the circumstances. Right. So it took me five years five years of making this decision to change to actually doing it. Does that make sense to you? Totally. It totally makes sense. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's what I had to go through. And, um, and I think the key to my healing was the final time when I finally got the right guy and everything mm -hmm. was wonderful. And I was so depressed and mm -hmm. I still wasn't happy. Your yeah. circumstances were better, right? They, yeah, but I wasn't. <laughs> right. But the deep, the inner you, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the core. And um, long story short, I unfortunately accidentally got into pain medications because of an injury, but I was an alcoholic at the time. Mm -hmm. So I didn't think the instructions on the bottle were meant for me. It said, do not take it out. <laughs> you know, that's so unfortunate because I think a lot of people, I think that that's. I know. And, and if you're an alcoholic, unfortunately, you're going to say, well, I'll just have one. But right. you're an alcoholic, so you won't have one. And now right. you took your, your pain medication or your muscle right. relaxer. And I started to have blackouts. And I was always a control freak. So mm -hmm. blackouts, losing control, yes. knowing what I did. Yep. That sent me, I went to rehab yep. and I didn't even yep. know where I was going or what they were going to do to me, but I knew I had a, like, I had a problem. I had a problem. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that people do have to hit a bottom. Yeah. So emotionally, spiritually, mm -hmm. like psychologically. Mm -hmm. So do you, I still have triggers. Do you still have triggers? Yeah. That's funny. You say that I actually, Yeah. And I mentioned this in a, a my podcast I did yesterday and the day before, actually, that I just got triggered just two weeks ago when I was up in Idaho visiting my son. And, and you know, for me, I, I am an absolute firm believer that um, in order to really heal and grow, you have to have self-awareness because self-awareness is going to show you everything, right? Yes. And so I had been noticing my triggers. I've been aware of my triggers for a few years now. Yeah. But I went in deeper. And so it was so funny because a couple of weeks ago, my husband and I, something happened and I was triggered and crazy stuff was coming to my mind. Crazy stuff was coming out of my mouth. And the husband I am married to now is a saint. He is yeah, wonderful. And he is patient. There's yeah. no criticism, no judgment. 
I finally looked at him, we're driving around and I said, you know what? I am clearly being triggered. I am clearly being triggered because the thoughts that are going through my mind make no sense whatsoever, yeah. are illogical. And, and he smiled at me. He just smiled at me. And yeah. I said, we're not going to do that crazy stuff that I keep saying we're going to do. <laughs> we're going to do the good stuff. And so that's what happened. So I still get triggered. And, and the, the wonderful thing though, even though I'm still triggered, I've got, I know how to manage it. First of all, I'm aware of it. Exactly. And you so know, when it, you know. Yeah. when the crazy thoughts start going through your head and that they're not logical, right. stop, take a deep breath, stop. And, and, and I sit and think about it and I go, okay, brain, what do you want to do? No, we're not doing that because that's crazy. We're going to, we're going to try something else and I'm going to yes. find something healthy. Yes. And that's been huge. I, I, <clears throat> to a degree will always have those triggers just because um, my whole foundation of growing up was well abuse. a lot of times there's people in the world that you have to deal with you know it's not like you have a choice right and there's narcissists and there's toxic men etc and they might set off one of your triggers and the fact that you know you have triggers you're way far ahead of a lot of people already right 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 and um the pause thing and the think about it but like my minister is very big on saying, go to your heart, like yeah. breathe. And he's right because most people stay in their head. Right. And when you stay in your head, it's not always good. Overthinking. Overthinking. Crazy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I do that a lot and tapping. I don't know if you've mm -hmm. ever tried tapping, mm -hmm. just tapping my over my heart and breathing and, and the anger. Cause it's usually the trigger brings up anger, you know? Oh Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Or resentment or the feeling of being a victim again. And I For was, me, it was I didn't have yeah. a voice again. Exactly. My voice got shut down. Right. Yes. And I finally have a voice over the last five years. And yes. that triggered one of the things that triggered was, oh, you can't have a voice right now. Exactly. Well, I'm going to have a voice, you know, so that kind of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I was the oldest of four children. And from five years on, old on, I was kind of uh, raising my siblings because of yeah. the alcoholism mm -hmm. and the, my mother was very emotionally detached and wanted to work full time. So we didn't have a lot of uh, time with her. That was nice. You know, she wasn't a hugger yeah. or a kisser or anything. She gave us no, mm -hmm. no touching, nothing. So the thing of it was, um, I had to go back into therapy because of 2020 because my husband has Parkinson's and it just was, mm -hmm. it was awful. Mm -hmm. And this therapist said, you know, you were the hero. That was your role in the family. And you mm -hmm. still want to be the hero. So whenever there's a problem, you try to solve it, even if it's not your problem. You know, that makes sense. And I get myself in trouble because I sit on boards and I'm involved in organizations. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden I find I'm doing too much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not doing the self-care. Do you find that happens a lot? We take on that role. Oh yeah, for sure. Because I was a caregiver to my mom. I was a mm -hmm. caregiver to my dad and I was mm -hmm. a caregiver to my late husband. Cause oh, nice. yeah. So I definitely would go into that role of not taking care of myself. And as a matter of fact, I've had numerous surgeries on the upper part of my body, numerous surgeries from not. And I worked out like I, there were things that I did do to take care of myself. But the important things of slowing down, no, I did not. I would take on everybody's problem, the world problems, try to fix it myself. And over the last <laughs> five years, I've switched that. And 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 I 
pick up on when I get overwhelmed and I slow it down. The thing I still need to work on is the guilt is the guilt of saying no. I still kind of, I still feel it. Right. I can say no, but oh gosh, I'll spend a little time in my head, you know, ruminating about, I said no to this person. Now they're going to. No, 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 no is the most important word. And yeah. it's the hardest to use, isn't it? It is. No. And, and, yes. And, and it's a and complete sentence. No. Exactly. I know. I've, I've you don't have to so reason. Lately. Yeah. Well, let's get back to the um, the healing part. Have you been able to forgive your abusers? I have. I have. I, I'm still kind of working a little bit on my mom, but I have. I, I actually forgave my brother years ago when I went through the workshop because I went through the workshop myself, the one that I mm-hmm. had. So I went through that. And at that time I worked through it and what, and I can honestly say when I think about my brother and I don't have a relationship with him mm-hmm. because he tried to abuse my, my son. And so I cut mm-hmm. that off right yeah. there. But, um, I can think about him and I do wish him the best. I I, I want him healed for sure. Um, but I don't have a relationship with him. Um, my, my mom and my dad, you know, I, I have forgiven them both. The thing I still kind of get stuck on, I catch myself on is I'm the one that broke the abuse in my family. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand why my mom didn't, why she wasn't strong enough not to be that way. Yeah. yeah. You know? Well, they were who they were. Um, I look back yeah. to what they grew up with. And, and in my book, I go into a lot of my father's situation. But um, I have been able to forgive everyone except for the ex-husband that fathered my children because it affected them. Yes. His not yes. paying child support, his physical abuse in front of them, all those things that he did. I have come to a point where I can tolerate being in his presence, which doesn't happen too often. Yeah. But to actually say he's forgiven, man, it's tough. That one's tough. Sometimes it's, it's a process. I mean, yeah. forgiveness to me, when I did the workshop, um, the last night was on forgiveness and I taught on forgiveness. And it's a real process, <clears throat> you know. And we also have to forgive ourselves. I I I right so the one, going. Mm-hmm. yeah the one big thing that people don't realize is like I was in survival mode all my yes. life until about five years ago and I did some stupid stuff I did some stuff that hurt other people oh, and yeah. I, I still struggle with forgiving myself about that you know because yeah but, but but I was doing my son said to me because he was one of them that I sat down and had a heart to heart with yeah. him mm-hmm. he said mom you did the best you could look at me I turned out pretty good exactly. you know oh, but, you know, 30 years ago, when I was first introduced to therapy after I got sober, <clears throat> this one therapist said to me, you know, you went from victim mode to survivor mode. Right. Now you have to go beyond that. Correct. You have to go into integrating everything to be the whole right. person. Living your life. Yes. Yes. And that's, that's extremely hard. And um, I think what I like about AA is when they have that step on amends, you know, you get to say to your children, yeah. You know, that help, you know, forgive me because I wasn't the best mother. And that helps you too. But you do feel that sometimes like, oh, I could have been a better mother. But but then you look back and you think you were all 300% better than the mother you had. <laughs> yeah. You know, the thing is that we tend to do our mind gets in our way, you know, yes. and we tend to focus on the negative. Yes. You know, instead of you know, cause I, I, the one thing I will say is, um, 
it's only by the grace of God that I didn't get heavily into drugs or alcoholism. And I think the only reason why I didn't is because I witnessed it and it scared me. And it was that whole control thing of, I feel like I would lose control, you know? And, and so, but, but what I did instead is I ate my coping. I did that. (laughs) Yes. I did. I struggled with my weight all my life. And then I had a mother who, who bought the, crap that I ate and then turn around and criticize me for putting and I honestly she was enabling you and criticizing you at the same time and I honestly when I think back I had no idea why I was putting on weight I didn't know I didn't know it was the eating people have to realize too with addiction there every time somebody says addiction doesn't necessarily mean alcohol and drugs no and when I went to treatment they told me I was cross addicted and dual diagnosed basically cross addicted meant that I could get addicted to anything because mm-hmm. that would be a coping strategy mm-hmm. for me. Correct. So I learned new ones and the dual diagnose. The whole reason I got into alcohol was I had chronic depression and anxiety disorder and I was self-medicating. I never wanted to drink, but then once I did, and I was like 21 before I drank and I saw that the calming effect it yeah. had on me and everything. Yeah. And then the genetics kicked in. Yeah. And the genetic part uh, gave me the ability to have a high tolerance, which really was to my detriment, you know, because that was, that was it. But I did the food thing too, because when I put down alcohol, I picked up food. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. Food and and sitting in front of the TV, I realized, you know, (laughs) just kind of seriously. I mean, I think about, I think back on like, now I'm ready to like shut the cable off and, you know, but yeah. You know, I would sit there for hours, but it was, and again, I didn't realize at the time that's what it was, but I think back now, and it certainly was a coping mechanism for sure. Absolutely. And, Mm -hmm. and I was a year sober and I went away, I went to California actually. Um, And uh, I went there for three weeks. The the drug and alcohol had been four weeks. So my husband, who was still my husband, 34 years were together. So it was them, not me. Because the other two were like, forget about it. But when I was going, he said, are you going to go away every year? And I said, if I have to, I said, if I have to, I did yeah. not, I just did not stop working on myself. I did not. No. Yeah. Nine yeah. years straight therapy, uh, 32 years in AA, you know, always having some spiritual program. It doesn't have to be AA. Right. But you need something like outside of yourself. Correct. Right. So it's work. It is work. But if you do it, you know, it's worth it. It, You know, that's the thing I say when you've never experienced, when you're at the beginning of your healing and you you get that first, I don't know, healing piece and you Mm -hmm. feel that freedom and you don't have that heaviness on you and you start feeling that freedom for me I was like I want more of that how, how do I get more of that and yeah. for years you know there wasn't all this out there there was therapy and I did go to therapy but there isn't the stuff that there is now yeah uh, which is so helpful I mean you got to be careful of what uh, some of the stuff you watch but um yeah it's been it's been a journey and I know it's it's a journey I'll be on for the rest of my life but you know I don't I yes. I don't feel like you ever fully heal I think you have measures of healing and you learn how to manage it. Like we're still getting triggered. Right. But we now know okay. how to manage that and it yeah. doesn't control us anymore. It's not consuming us. It yeah, and it's a shorter period of it. It's like, yeah, you don't ruminate and walk around with a resentment. It's like you no. feel it, you know what it is. You sit with yourself and breathe, whatever, meditate, whatever you have to do and you can let yeah. it go. 
you know, one of the things that, that I recognize what would happen to me when I would get triggered like that is the anger would completely consume me. And how I recognize this was a few months ago, something happened and that usually would have sent me, you know, being completely angry and it didn't, the situation didn't. And I had a different perspective and I, I remember stopping and going, how does this feel? Wow. This feels really good because I can, it made me realize when I would get angry like that, it consumed every part of me. You know what I found too? When I did get angry in the early years of sobriety, when I'd still get very angry about something, it would totally drain me. Like oh, afterwards, yes. it would be like I had been working in the mines all day. I would be just fatigued. Mm-hmm. Took mm-hmm. just everything. the recovery would take a long time. That's what. Yeah, that. yeah, it would. It just it would completely drain you. You're right. You're it, right. It does. It really so does. It's, mm-hmm. it's consuming. So are you uh, going to start your own podcast? I am. We're starting it in August. I've already um, recorded some. And the first one is the first episode is going to be my story. I, I've never told my story completely, yeah. um, except in therapy. And yeah. so my girlfriend and I, she sat down and she, there's a lot she didn't know. And she's watched most of my growth. So uh-huh. it's starting in August is called Healing and Growing Hand in Hand. That's the name of the podcast channel and growing hand in hand okay. and it is um it's going to be uh, you know it, yeah we're going to talk about childhood abuse and and trauma um because yeah. you know trauma can be a, a child was just sick a lot and that's traumatic to them it wasn't necessarily abuse or but they had uh, a sick parent if they grew or up sick parent. Yeah. right right mm-hmm. and so there's different trauma but it's also yeah. going to be about growing and it's for anybody in any walk of their life, you know, I definitely have men on there. I've already have two guests, at least two or three lined up of men sharing about their abuse because for men, it's different. It's harder. It is harder. It is harder. They have a whole different set of shame factors that we don't carry. Well, they have core beliefs that are different than us too. Correct. We, We know we can be gentle and vulnerable and be intimate and they are their core beliefs have been taught, unfortunately, strong boys don't cry, that kind of thing. So you know. that buttercup, you know. You and know. they still do that. I mean, yeah. they still yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that needs to change. That really needs to change. And so I wanted to create a platform where experts could come on and, you know, mm-hmm. we could talk about limiting beliefs or boundaries or whatever, but also a platform for people to have a voice and share their story of their, of their trauma and their healing. You know, I want to put as much hope out there that, yeah, you and I came from some really traumatic childhood experiences Mm -hmm. and we could have gone in a lot of different directions, but we have healed and we've grown and we're helping others. What, um, let me ask you, what platform are you using to get your podcast out? I use uh, Buzzsprout. Oh, I haven't heard of that. No. So I'm going to be putting it on YouTube. And then um, it'll be on Spotify and Apple and I'm using Anchor. So apparently Anchor is a platform that sends it out to many. That's Um, what Buzzsprout does too. It sends sends it out to iHeartRadio, all of them. Right, right, right. Which I I think is fantastic. Yeah, Yeah. makes it so much easier. (laughs) It does. And at first I started off with two podcasts, maybe a month. And then that's free. That was totally free. 
two hours, not two, two hours. And then I started really getting a lot of good guests and things. And now mm-hmm. I paid the $12 for heaven's sakes to get the message out to more people. And I've been doing it. And that's important. And I hope your podcast is, is very successful also. I will be Thank you. listening <laughs> to it. Yes. And, um, and I'm looking for guests. So if you would love to yes, be a guest. Of course. Of course. I would love to have you. I am going to, you have Kindle or on your iPhone? Do you have an iPhone? Uh, no, I have, I'm an Android. <laughs> okay. So if I was going to send you um, my book, I couldn't send it to Kindle, though, right? You don't have a Kindle. No, I don't have Kindle on there. Do well, you I'll have find it on Amazon? Way. Yeah, it's on Amazon. Okay, I can pull it up from there because I, okay, can, yeah. I can't listen. I don't have Kindle per se. Yeah, okay, good. Because when you just hear part of my story, you'll see that I'll be a good guest. <laughs> yes, yes. What's the name of your book? Let me write it down real quick. One more time. Raised by Wolves. Oh, that's tra- right. Trapped by Demons. If you put in Raised by Wolves alone, you'll get all these werewolf stories. <laughs> so you have to put the Trapped by Demons. Thank you so much, Lisa. You're a wonderful guest. Thank you. And uh, we will be talking again, I'm sure. Yes. All right. Have a great day. You too. Don't get triggered. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you either. (laughs) Bye. Bye.